All right, just a, just a few items on the church family agenda this morning. Uh, yesterday, we had just an incredible, incredible, really, testimony to God stirring the hearts of the men in the church, and we had some visitors. Uh, we had 25 men come out to the men's breakfast. Yeah, just phenomenal time of fellowship and getting to know some new people and and. Uh, Randy shared a testimony and spoke about what it means to be a godly, a spiritual leader in your home. And, and so uh, thank you to all the men that came out. And um, honestly, we are going to be planning those probably quarterly. Uh, moving. Yeah. Okay. Well, Tracy's happy. So yes, yes, we, we are enthused uh, for what uh, God's going to do in the ministry of the men as we move into 2022. And and really all the ministries here. So, so thank you guys. Thank you uh, to Bill and everyone who helped put it together. Just a, a wonderful, wonderful time of being uh, the men of the church uh, on a Saturday morning. Okay. Uh, Kathy's going to come on up and share something about women's ministry. Hello. Is this on? Hello. <laughs> Good morning. I just have a couple quick announcements for women's ministry. One is that next Saturday, November 6th, is the Women's Book Club discussion. Um, If you're ever wondering what, where, when it is, uh, check on the website, the church's website. But it's next Saturday, 10 a.m., here at the well, and it's on the book, In His Image, by Jen Wilkin. And we had a great discussion on our last book, Um, the women who came, I think, can say that too, but we had a really great discussion last time. Just other one quick thing is put on your calendar. We're having a Christmas event, a women's Christmas event, December 11th. So just keep that in mind. We will announce more details in the next couple weeks. Thanks. Right back there. <laughs> All right, just a couple other items. Uh, just a reminder, it really, you know, this is this announcement, we, we've done it every year for 11 years, but with technology and everything, it's really different now. Uh, next Sunday, remember, you got to move your clocks. We're, we're falling back, but, you know, now your phones do it. How many of you use your phone as the alarm, right? And so it, you don't have to worry about it. How many of you still have many clocks in your house that you go around and you, right, you got to do that? So that's happening next weekend, just a reminder. I always enjoyed that when you, you always know who didn't. They're either an hour early or an hour late to church, on, you know, whether it's fall or spring. So we always get a kick out of that. So anyway... Uh, next Sunday. And then uh, the bulletins, again, if you didn't hear, we're printing them out each week now, and we encourage you, uh, check it out online. It's, it's our way to com- do our best to communicate to you uh, what's going on in the life of the church family and how you can participate, as well as various ways to, to keep being given, uh, being uh, cheerful givers. Okay? So good to uh, be with you and um, vis- visiting for the first time. Welcome. Uh, usually the full band is up on the first Sunday of each month, but uh, this being the last Sunday, uh, we had to make a switch because a couple of the guys will be out of town next Sunday, and it's always a, always a joy to be up there and, and have a different style of worship every once in a while. Uh, this morning, we're going to continue in the book of Philippians, and actually, we're going to finish up uh, Philippians chapter 1, and uh, as I was studying and praying and reflecting uh, not just on, on the content of Philippians, but really the application for, for me in my own life and for us as a church. I really am just really enthused about, uh, you know, how God, how, how he does this. Have you ever had this moment where you're going through something in your life and you open the scriptures, your daily devotional, or you hear something, and it's like just right 
what you needed to hear, right? And you're like, how did, how did that happen, you know? It's funny because sometimes after church, you know, someone will come up to me, did so-and-so tell you what's going on in my life? I'm like, I have no idea what's going on in your life. I think that's God, you know? Uh, but uh, uh, so this is one of those moments where, where you know, we were wrapping up Philippians chapter one, and, it, and it's, it's an incredibly strategic time for us as a church as we're still, uh, you know, maneuvering and, and following Jesus as a church through this uh, pandemic and this season of the country and the world. And uh, I'm really enthused for, for the clarity and, and what God has uh, shown, not just me, but really the, the leadership team here. And I, I get really um, was reminded uh, this week, we had a, an elder meeting and lasted, I think, a little over three hours. And, and uh, you know, we have been uh, just incredibly blessed by the, the shepherds that, that the Lord has raised up for this church. And, and, you know, of course, he's like, oh, he's supposed to say that. He's one of them. No, no, I'm not talking about me. I'm talking about the four other uh, men of God that, that really love Jesus passionately, that really love his church and this church specifically passionately. And, and it's been a journey for, for the five of us. It's not been easy. Uh, there is a diversity of opinion, and we speak freely, and we challenge all in the the love of Christ together, and, and through it all, um, we seek the Lord. We seek the Lord for his guidance, and, and we don't do it perfectly all the time, um, but our heart is right, and we're unified. That's one thing I will say we always are, is unified. And uh, I'm excited because uh, out of that elder meeting, I got clarity even uh, for what we're going to talk about this morning. So Philippians 1, we've been looking at this passage, uh, verses 27 to 30, and I'm just going to go ahead and read those. It says, uh, this is the, uh, the Apostle Paul writing to believers in a city called Philippi, okay, the Philippians. He's writing to Christians. He says, only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel, and not frightened in anything by your opponents. This is a clear sign to them of their destruction but of your salvation, and that from God. For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake, engaged in the same conflict that you saw I had and now hear that I still have. And so just in in summary, a quick review, right? We've seen in this passage uh, various themes of unity, right, and identity. Paul's saying, hey, you know what? You're citizens of heaven, Live as citizens of heaven in the city of Philippi, and as a church, be united. And we saw that there was, so far, there's three S words in here, and and we've covered two of them. One is that you're standing firm in one spirit, so unity, standing firm. Last week, we saw that it's a privilege to suffer, right? So we're we're to stand, we're to suffer together, and that's a privilege. It's been granted. And and it's interesting, when, when he said the word standing, Firm, you know, it, it reminded me of the series when we went through the book of Ephesians and, and the armor of God, right? And so standing firm, right, the believers would have said, yeah, that's right, we're the church, we're to stand firm. And in their mind, they would have been reminded of Roman soldiers and Roman formation, right? We, we kind of shared a little bit about the, the armor of God. And, you know, they would have thought, of, you know, if you don't know, that's a, a very famous Roman formation. It's called the tortoise or the tortoise or the turtle formation. And so it's a great word picture of standing Right? That, that every, every soldier is needed. 
for the benefit of everyone else, right? So when he said, hey, stand firm, they would, have, they would have had these pictures of various Roman soldier formations. He says, you know, to suffer is a privilege together. And then today, we're going to look in, in Philippians uh, 127, there's a, the final S word is striving. Striving, right? In the ESV, it says this. In verse 27, only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or I'm absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. In the NIV version, it says this, whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in the one spirit, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel, right? And then in the New Living Translation, it's interesting because that last phrase, it's not striving together or standing, it's fighting together for the faith, which is the good news. And so it's interesting. uh, Jordan, if you can put up the ESV version again, right? So it says that we're striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. Uh, It's really interesting, that word for striving, okay? It's soon athleo, okay? And there's a prefix in that word, soon. It means with, okay? There's with. And athleo is where we get the word athletics, right? So when he says striving together, he's talking about teamwork. He's talking about teamwork. He's talking about the believers having a common purpose, exerting maximum effort, due diligence with a common purpose, kind of like teams that we know of, right? Right? Teams that we know of. Right? For all of you who are still in mourning, I thought I would just park you up a little. I don't, I don't, does that make you better or worse? I'm not sure if that makes you feel better or worse. But, but it, that's what he's talking about. He says, you know, he goes from Roman formation to now an athletic picture. He says, hey, not, not only are you to stand firm because you're the body of Christ, you stand firm as a team united in purpose. United in goal, right? And we see, you can take that down. We, we, we know that you've seen it in the, in the world of sports, right? When, whether it was uh, Kobe and Shaq or whatever, right? And you, you hear that there's disunity and conflict in a team, right? And he's saying, no, 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 no. Be united, but see yourself as, as an athletic team with a common purpose. Unite around the purpose, it's very important that, that you, we, we understand what he's saying, okay? And, and he's talking about, in context, the purpose being the proclamation of the gospel, right? In fact, in verse 18, before that, he says, you know what? I've been persecuted. Some people are intentionally trying to make my life miserable, but it's okay. I'm going to rejoice because Christ is being proclaimed, amen? It wasn't about him. He didn't have a woe is me attitude. He's like, you know what? It's okay. It's all good because my, my purpose, what causes me to rejoice is the proclamation of Jesus. Okay? And, and so when he says strive for the faith of the gospel, he's talking about that. And he's also, there's an element in there also of protecting and preserving the integrity of scripture. Right? 1 Timothy 3.15 says this. I am writing these things to you now, even though I hope to be with you soon. This is Paul writing to Timothy. So that if I am delayed, you will know how people must conduct themselves in the household of God. This is the church of the living God, which is the pillar and foundation of the truth. That's what the church is. It's the pillar and foundation of the truth. And what is the truth? God's word. Amen. That is why when we started this church 11 years ago, we drove the stake in the ground that 
We're going to just preach and teach God's word. And, you know, there's times when we teach uh, topically or, you know, uh, a doctrine that we'll teach. Um, But we went through Ephesians and we're going through Philippians. And one of the good things about going through a book or a letter is that you have to teach the whole counsel of God. You have to walk through, you know, if you ever wondered, how many of your Bibles have little, it's, it's separated into paragraphs. You ever, some of them are by verse and some are by paragraphs. Well, a paragraph is called a pericope, if you want to know the uh, you know, official Bible study word, a pericope. And so when you're teaching expositorily, you have to go down. And in a very good way, it means that I can't just pick and choose what I like to preach in. And sometimes when you're walking through it, you'll get to uncomfortable passages. Things that don't necessarily make you feel all warm and fuzzy, right? Some of those passages when you're reading through scripture, you're like, ow, ooh, right? Where's that one that I really like, you know? Where's the Romans 8.28, God works all things for the good, you know? So we all have our, our feel-good verses that we kind of go to, and then you're, but you, when you're going through the, the book of Philippians or Ephesians or anything, that's why it's important that you do this and not just pick and choose, In fact, I just want to caution you as a believer, be very careful when you pick and choose and you're taking verses out of context because, you know, you can make it sound and support pretty much anything if you're not careful. So be very careful and we can deceive ourselves. Okay, so walking through, you get the whole counsel of God. And so we're the pillar and foundation of truth. that's, That's, you know, a stake we have driven here. And it also deals with proclaiming the gospel. Right? Many of you are familiar with the Great Commission in Matthew 28. It says this, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So there's two elements to this striving together for the gospel. One is preserving and protecting the integrity of Scripture. The other is proclaiming the good news of the gospel. Amen? Now, this one is, is, is where we are going to camp today, and it's very important because if we neglect this, if the proclamation of the gospel, someone call it evangelism, someone call it outreach, if we sort of get out of balance, then we can start to turn inward and kind of get off course. Right? Because when he's talking about unity, hey, stand firm, he's not talking about unity for unity's sake. Very important. Especially even in the way we do church. We, like I said, you've heard me say this before, you know, we make church so comfortable that coming to church inadvertently can become the end when it's truly the beginning. Right? If you're familiar with football, right? What do they do after every play? They huddle. Wouldn't it be weird if they just stayed in the huddle for four quarters? Like, what are they doing? They're huddling. Why aren't they breaking the huddle? Well, none of them want to go run the play. They like the huddle. They're, they're talking about the huddle. They got, I think they have Gatorade in the huddle. It's comfortable in the huddle. If they go out, they're going to get hit in the head and dirty. Right? So, so I liken that because the church in many ways, and this, is, this is, could be a paradigm shift, this could be what God's saying to you this morning, the church is a huddle, not a holy huddle. 
right? Our, our church, we started in a, in a living room, in Cindy's living room, and we grew, and we started from 12, and then we got to 50, and, and sometimes as a pastor, you're like, you're celebrating, right? And then you always look for maybe plateauing, where we're getting comfortable, right? You know, you, you know the phrase Bill told me, you know, us 50, and that's nifty, <laughs> right? Let's huddle up. Let's huddle up, right? And if we're not careful, we can start to forget that we're supposed to break the huddle and line up and go make disciples. And then next Sunday, we huddle up again. We hear God's word. He speaks to us about our own life, how we can honor and glorify him more. We break the huddle and we go apply what we heard as part of the disciple-making process, amen? Now, here's the crazy thing. When we break the huddle and you leave here, you might get hit in the head because the world isn't nice. Someone will be rude to you. Someone won't like something on social media, right? You might share your faith and get slammed, right? So it's the same principle. We gather, we worship, we enjoy fellowship, but Kind of at the end, when Mark dismisses you today, it's a holy break. And we get to the line, and the ball is hiked when you get in your car and go. And then we can come back and say, hey, you know, a week later, hey, how'd that play go? Oh, dude, let me tell you. That's kind of the, a, a more accurate picture of church and how it's supposed to fit. And... And we have to keep that. And it was interesting. I was reading um, some, uh, some research that was presented to, uh, to John MacArthur, and he was speaking to his church. And it, these people had sent him uh, a study that they had done on the cycle of churches, the life of churches. And some of you may be familiar. It's out there, you know, the, the cycle and the life cycles of great civilizations. And there's periods of apex and then decline, right? And all these civilizations go through it. Well, John MacArthur shared this study that was presented to him about the, the life cycle of churches. And I thought it was fascinating. Okay? And these are great churches, according to him. He says, their peak period of growth in a great ministry was 20 to 25 years. Okay? And he was saying this, that was about the length of time he had been at Grace Community. So 25, 20 to 25 years, according to this study, was their peak period. And he says this. That was the apex. From then on, everything went downhill. When a church is born, they said, it takes one person to reach one. So the ratio is one to one. They're excited. They're enthused. They're thrilled. They're blessed. They said, usually by the third year, it takes three people to reach one. And the process of outreach is slowing down as the church gets more internally complex. By 10 years, it takes eight persons to reach one. 15 to 20 years, somewhere between 8 and 15, perhaps. By the time a church is 50 years old, it takes 89 people to reach one. And he says, why? The early years concentrated on evangelism. That evangelism takes the church to a peak. Then the church becomes preoccupied with pastoral care, preoccupied with shepherding, preoccupied with budget, preoccupied with internal systems, and it eats itself up. It can't maintain its unity anymore because it doesn't have a common enemy that it's fighting. It's narcissistic. Evangelism isn't the reason to exist. Fellowship, teaching, caring, socializing, 
interacting, counseling, it stops confronting the world, it shrivels. That's a powerful check because we're 11 years into this. And coming out of a year and a half of turmoil and everything, where we've been really trying to, to seek the Lord's will and, and really what is the church according to him and what is the church purpose, you know, this has been challenging. You know, the times when none of you were here and it was just me and a camera. And, and how to understand the Great Commission when no one can even gather, right? And then John MacArthur has this quote. It says, when a church begins to see itself as an end in itself, it is a disaster. You're here to be trained to go and reach the world. We face a hostile world. We face a world that rejects God and rejects Christ. It's time for us to stand up and fight that battle. And it's, it's been a, a challenging year and a half, and, and I know even uh, some would love to be here, like to be here, but they still have health issues and you know, various issues, and, and you shouldn't be. And I'm glad that, that they're joining us live stream and listening, right? We still celebrate that. We still, we still understand that because it's not over. It's not over. And, and, and I was thinking about where we are and, Lord, what, what is he, how do we strive together? Where are we at the end of 20, you know, this year, 2021, moving into 2022? What are you saying? Where are we, right? And, and suddenly I thought about the events of September 11th, 2001. Because that forever changed the way we fly. And it's interesting, I read some articles, it says, one article says, more than a fifth of the U.S. population is too young to remember what air travel was like before September 11th. Right? And, and it's really interesting if you're not, if you, you know, maybe have forgotten what happened. So on September 11th, you recognize planes were being hijacked and flown into the towers and the Pentagon. And, and you remember that as that was happening, they ordered all flights grounded in the country, 4,000, and all their passengers. And what was interesting is, as I actually read, read more into this, the, the pilots were, were told not to tell the passengers what was happening. So passengers were landing thinking they were, had arrived, and they were getting off at airports having no clue. They did not, it wasn't until they saw what was happening on TV, right? And they were stranded. I was reading an article where this plane uh, landed in, uh, in Little Rock, Arkansas. And the, they had, the passengers got off and had no clue where they were or why they had landed. It was, it was man, chaos, right? And they, and they talk about people stepped up. Um, people started to scramble for rental cars and, you know, just trying to get their destination. Some were stranded. It wasn't until about two days later that the flights started again. But things had changed forever. Forever. Maybe you're old enough to remember when you could go, you, your friends and family could go right to the gate and say goodbye at the gate. Anyone? Right? Most of the security was just walking through the detector. You could get there like 20 minutes before your flight, right? Not two hours for a domestic. 
You remember those days, right? You just kind of get there and, and there was no real restrictions on what you could bring as far as quantity of liquids and all this, right? Yeah, those were the good old days of air travel, right? So much less stress and less hassle. But, but there was an event that changed it forever. In fact, the TSA was created in November 2001, two months later. Creation of the TSA and everything that policies and procedures. And what was really interesting is I was... Uh, kind of researching this whole thing, a fundamental shift that happened in the airline industry and with the creation of the TSA is that passengers were now seen as the potential security risks. It's a fundamental shift. And then there's stories about people's first flight afterwards and how they were nervous and kind of looking around at everybody, Right? And, and some people, it, it took about two years. They say globally, it took about two years for the passenger traffic rate to come back up. It took two years globally to get back to where it was. People were just scared to fly because they didn't know who to trust anymore. It, it rocked their world, right? And I thought about that because at a certain point, though, the airline industry had to get back on mission, right? They had to figure out how are we going to do this in a post 9 11 world, how are we going to try to do our best to make it safe so we can stay on mission? And then everyone else, passengers, had to make decisions whether or not and to what degree they were going to get back onto a plane, right? And some, it took a while, right? They would rather take Amtrak or the Greyhound or they would drive. It just rocked their world. And I was thinking about the similarities, right? The impact of, of 9-11 on air travel and the impact of the pandemic on church. And now things just aren't the same and probably will never be the same. Pre-March 2020, when it all shut down, right? And, and we got grounded. We got grounded and you had to stay home and we had to work really hard to fire up a live stream system that we didn't have and online giving that we really didn't have and we worked really hard because we were grounded. And we worked really hard to keep the word going out, but we couldn't do this. And, and it really made me think, okay, so, so we spent a year and a half trying to regroup and, and do what we can. We're, we're allowed to meet outside on the patio, and then we're allowed to come in here, and you know, you're reading the mandates, yada, 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 and now we're here. And yet, if we stay stuck, we're just going to be stuck. And we're going to turn inward and we're going to maybe become very critical or despondent or depressed or, you know, because we're always thinking about the way it was. Well, airline travel is never going back to the way it was pre-9-11. But we've moved on and we do our best and we, uh, okay, two hours. Okay, right? But you do it because you, you need to go to Hawaii you know what I mean? I really need to go. So, you know, we'll get the pre, pre, we're going to go all the hoops because we need to get to Hawaii. I'll get the test. I'll get the card. I'll be there two hours early. I'll, you know, battle for a rental car because there are none over there. I'll rent a U-Haul. You know, I mean, all this stuff because we really need to go on that plane. So as we move forward, and this is a really moving forward message for us, God has really said, you know what? Okay. Ojai Valley Christian Fellowship, the well. We got to be striving together for the gospel. We just, it's time. It, it's just time. Now, 
Let me, let me share a little bit of history for those uh, that will, I think, help you understand where I've been and where the leadership has been. This church was birthed 11 years ago, like I said, in, in a living room. And it was birthed out of a scattering. Many of us have, uh, were attending the same church. Uh, some things happened on the doctrinal level, and there was a scattering, okay, a dispersion. We, my wife and I, had heard that there were uh, a number who had never connected into the, in any of the local churches, and we just had a heart for what we would call the refugees. And so we started a Bible study, and people who were disconnected started coming, Right? And so, for me, as a shepherd, as a pastor, you know, this, this church was birthed out of sense of family and togetherness and, and wanting to give a safe place um, rooted in the word, rooted in genuine fellowship, trying to be what the church is called to be, um, but a lot of healing and a lot of togetherness for the early years. And so, when this happened, when the pandemic happened, it literally was like an, a bomb went off. Everything that we had really was our heart for 10 or 11 years, that fast said, you're gone, like physically gone. And I, I was, I struggled with that because that, it was another dispersion, a literal physical dispersion. And part of the, the challenge for me and, and for the leadership walking through that is, okay, let's get them back because that's my heart. It's always been my heart as a youth pastor, as a senior pastor, just where are they? Come on. That's just been my heart. And, and in that, somewhere, I've come to the place, and, and again, I, I, I just thank God for the brothers on the elder board here who, who helped keep me rooted and grounded. And, you know, the Lord had put on Mark's heart on the Wednesday meeting to share the Great Commission. Like, I didn't know he was going to share that, and, and I didn't know that that's what we needed to hear was, okay, a year and a half ago, we scattered again. We spent a year and a half regrouping and trying to, and for me, I have to, say, I have to literally listen to the word of God and say, okay, Lord, what, you, what are you saying through your word? And he says, there's still a great commission. We've done our best. We're, we still want people to keep coming back. We still understand that. We still shepherd you through that. We still understand health concerns and people are still getting COVID. We understand that 100%. And so it's mixed with come back, but now today, it's honestly a, a drive the stake in the ground, say, because we're going. We're getting back to what our purpose. We're going to be united around a purpose, right? And, it, and it, it's challenging because there's nothing wrong with, for a while, the purpose being to come back. But the biblical purpose is to go. So we want you to come back because we're going to make disciples. You understand what I'm saying? We don't want you to come back. Because we're having a holy huddle and it's us 50 and that's nifty. Do you understand, right? Because as John MacArthur says, that's a disaster. Because we turn inwards and now we're critical and now we're, you know, eh, it's, too, it's too hot, it's too cold, it's too loud, it's too soft, you know. And, and suddenly because we've turned inward, it's about meeting my needs rather than our biblical mandate to go and make disciples. And so I, I share that with you. Again, Philippians 1.27 says, Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. Ray Pritchard says it this way, We are to unitedly join hearts and hands, using all our resources 
to spread the gospel by every means possible to every person possible. Amen? It's bigger than us. It's bigger than us. Right? I mean, it's interesting. I drive here, you know, when it's still dark every Sunday. And, you know, usually I'll come up park and I'll drive here and I go, there's a lot of people in this neighborhood right here in walking distance to this church. I'm like, Lord, what do we, right? Because if we're not careful, we can get numb to that. There's a lot of people, right? We drive by or you're going to go have lunch around people in a restaurant or wherever you're going to be. And we sometimes, if we forget that we're, we're, we're the church and we're commissioned to go and make disciples, we can become numb to those that really need Jesus and would love to be in the seat next to you because they don't know anything about this, right? Matthew 28 again says this, and Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age, right? And so next week, we're going to look a little bit more at the Great Commission because I think it's a really strategic time for us as a church as we end this year and launch in the new year. What are we called to be doing, right? In fact, that word, right, go. First word is go. Kind of get out of your holy huddle, get out of your comfort zone, and go with the purpose of proclaiming Christ and making disciples, amen? That's where we go. You go to, you go to your workplace. You go. You, why do we, see, this is, this is where, again, if we're not careful, we think that Christianity is just becoming a better moral person for my sake. No, what it's about, following Jesus and becoming more and more like Jesus is so that my life is a testimony, a living testimony to friends, family, coworkers, people who knew me in high school, right? Because I'm going with the intent in my whole life is to make disciples. I want my life to be the gospel, amen? Here's a question. Don't, don't, Don't answer this out loud. When was the last time, if you're a believer, when was the last time you shared the gospel with somebody? Now, the challenging part of that is that after a period of time as a believer, you have no more non-Christian friends. It takes one or two or three years, and we stop associating with everyone from the past. And I'm not saying, you know, you're going to go do things that would make you stumble. But what we inadvertently, okay, inadvertently with the best of intentions do, is we start distancing ourselves. And after a couple years, we have no unbelieving friends. There's a balance there, right? If we're called to go and make disciples, part of that is evangelism. Part of that is going out and being salt and light and looking for opportunity, not necessarily to bash someone over the head with the Bible, but to share your testimony, to invite them to church, right? And and so as we're going to work through this as a leadership team, uh, I'm excited. I'm I'm like, okay, what what does it mean to be a great commission purpose-driven church at the end of this year and in the, you know, 2022. And, and here's the thing. I don't know yet. 
but I'm excited about it because it'll change how we do Sunday services, right? Because Sunday service isn't us 15, that's nifty. It's, you know what, we're, we're doing a huddle. We're going to worship. We're going to get the word. And then we're going to say, ready, break, and we're going to go. And might mean for some of you that you invite and you bring someone to church. Don't just invite them. You say, I'll pick you up. And if it costs you a lunch, then you do it. <laughs> you say, you come with me, I'll take you to lunch. Well, it might cost you a few bucks to get someone here because you got to throw lunch in. But see, that's purpose-driven. Now as a believer, your vision is bigger than yourself, right? Bring back worship and prayer nights. Not so that we can worship and pray because we like to worship and pray. And what do we, no, we bring out worship and prayer nights because we actually believe that prayer matters. And that the, the, this community is dark and needs prayer. Amen. So we're going to do worship and prayer with the great commission in mind. We're pray for people who need to know Jesus. We're going to pray for, right? In addition to our needs. But if we're not careful, our prayer lives become self-centered, very heavy on what I need God to do for me. How many of us are, are really honestly, consistently praying for the lost? Some of you might be, but over time, I know in my own life, over time, it's pretty much, hey, father, dad, can you fix this stuff for me? You know, and at the end it says, and all other. I have to be disciplined to be praying for the lost. Right? So it begins there. Evangelism. Like, Outreach into the Ojai Valley. Yeah, we're going to figure that out together. We're going to figure that out together. We're not just settling for status quo. You just can't. I don't know, maybe we'll have service in the park right over there. Because some people will be walking by. And join us. We've had people, um, remember Ty when the doors were open? because we kept the doors open because when it was gathering, safety had to keep the doors open for ventilation. We had people who heard the music and, and the service and they would come and they would stop right outside and, and listen to the service or grab a stool and listen. I don't know what it means, but I do know that if we're going to be a great commission church, it's right here. It's right here. And it's going to be scary. It's going to be really scary and uncomfortable. Because some of your neighbors might come by. Right? Yeah. We're going to be uncomfortable together. Right? If you built a house with us in Mexico, that's uncomfortable. There's a lot of discomfort, you know, that goes into that and all the preparation and everything, right? Yeah. We're going to figure out ways to serve the community. Just get into the, the organizations, that can use our support, right? Again, not to pound them over the head with Jesus, just to be salt and light, because we live here. And, and, and we need to interact with the community. We can't just like, you know, move en masse. You gotta, we're called to be, we're, we go, we go. So we're gonna figure out community organizations. Continuing care center, I would love to figure out how we can start doing chapels with you again. You know, we used to go there once a month, and, and then uh, it was for you, it was, uh, many of you, how many of you were blessed by going with us, right, and, and pouring into the residence. So in 2022, we're going to figure out how to get into this community, just serving people, 
Just serving, just being salt and light. Just being salt and light, right? And we're going to celebrate the live stream. God has used the pandemic to develop the live stream, and, and we know that, that our church family has grown outside of the boundaries of Ojai, you know, and shout out to Annette. Annette, I grew up with my wife from elementary school in San Diego, and she watches faithfully in San Diego, so Annette, uh, God bless you. Thanks for the encouragement that you always send. Um, but we know that for some, you connect with us via live stream. We're going to celebrate that. All the while encouraging you who are on live stream to be seeking the Lord to use your gifts in a local body as well. Okay, but we understand limitations. We understand that. And we're just celebrating that God, through the pandemic, expanded our church family outside the borders of Ojai. Amen? Right? San Diego's in the house, right? Right there. So, you know, we're going to be creative. We're going to be creative. I don't know. Maybe we get a, a booth at Ojai Day. We can do that? What? What are we going to do? I don't know. Sell snow cones. I am not Give snow cones away. Wouldn't it be a trip to go to Ojai Day and give free stuff rather than ask for money? Like, why are you doing this? Oh, you're kind of weird, man. Okay. Have it. Like, right? Ojai Day. That, that's what I'm saying is, is I want to invite you to join us in just... A new wineskin, new season. Let's do this. Let's do this. It, it's, been a, it's been a journey. We've been grounded. But the pilot says we got to go. All aboard. Get back on the plane and buckle up. Because <laughs> there might be some turbulence ahead. How many have ever been on a plane with turbulence, man? Whew. You're like, how is this thing still in the air? Man, I, I, flew to, I flew to Albuquerque a year or two ago. And it, you know what made me more scared? I was waiting at the gate, and the pilot shows up, and he looks like he's 18. I'm like, <laughs> like he's wearing his pilot thing, but he looked like he was in costume, right, for Halloween. I'm like, is that a costume? That's the pilot? And then we're taking off in the desert, and we're doing this, and the only thing I could think of is a little 18-year-old, like, don't worry, folks. We're, we're going to figure it out together. Amen? And, and we don't know what, what the future holds in terms of the, the mandates and all of that. But I recognize in my own life, and I'm just a little bit of confession, I recognize that because of where our church came from and how I'm wired pastorally, that, you know, the burden or the scattering um, really was a lot heavier on me than I, than I realized. And it's not that I don't care anymore. It's not, not, not at all. But, but through the Great Commission and everything as I've been really studying, the Lord's like, you know, I have them. They're my kids. Ultimately, I have them. I know where they are. And I know your burden, but you, you, you have to leave the church biblically, and it's the Great Commission. We're going to make disciples. There's evangelism, and then there's nurturing, shepherding, all of that. We just have to keep it in balance as a church, but also, honestly, it begins individually. So as we wrap up this year, it might be a time where the Lord's just saying, okay, hey, how you been doing on the Great Commission personally? Are you praying for the lost? Do you even know any lost anymore? Right? 
Are you, are you, are you willing to say break and get out of the holy huddle and get on the line and get out there and get a little dirty and get knocked around and, you know, challenged? Are you willing to get out there again? Because when you do, I'll tell you this, your faith goes like this. It just comes to life. And sometimes we, we, you'll have a time like, oh my gosh, how did I slide into the holy huddle for so long? We all do it. It's not condemnation. It's just honesty, right? Because honestly, Sundays here are really nice and it's really comfortable. Oh, you know what we're doing also? Just, just as part of the new, uh, I say that's new Sunday, right? Guess what's coming back very soon to a fellowship time after church for you? Donuts. <laughs> and maybe cheese, right? You're like, oh my gosh, things have really changed. We are back to normal. We have donuts and cheese. Because some of you have been like moping around here when the cheese went away. There's no more cheese. Oh, the chocolate sprinkles. When are they? I'm going to go back to church when they bring the donuts. That stuff matters to us. We know, we know it matters. It's important. You know, cheese and donuts and all that. It matters. We love the fellowship. How many of you love being able just to be around in fellowship, right? We do that. We honor and respect safety issues and health issues. We do that. You've heard that for a year and a half from us. But things like that. Little, what may seem small, but in the big picture, no. Donuts, Barry. Maybe cheese. So... But it's all part of this. It's new. It's new. You know, the, the, the forces outside have been very oppressive. And a lot of us have kind of like done this. And Paul in Philippians says we strive together. Jesus in Matthew 28 says we go together. And so we're going to throw off this. And in the power of the Holy Spirit, we're going to be the church that God calls us to be. Amen. And close with this, 2 Corinthians 5 says this, this is the Apostle Paul. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, We are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So Paul is speaking about himself and those who minister with him, but it really, there's an application to all of us. You're an ambassador. You're an ambassador. What is an ambassador? You're a messenger and a representative of the king of kings. We are all ambassadors. And we have a ministry, the ministry of reconciliation. And so the way you carry yourself when we say, ready, break today, and you go, you go as an ambassador. You just go as an ambassador, a messenger of good news, representing the king by how you live your life. Amen? Amen. Let's pray together. Father, thank you. And it has been a journey, and uh, now it's time to fly. It's just time to fly. It's time to fire up the jets and, and be about the mission.
the Great Commission. So thank you, Father, for bringing us to this place. Thank you again um, for what you're doing in the life of this church and the life of every person here and listening. And so, Father, we're just going to seek you. We lay this at your feet and say, yeah, not our will, but your will be done. Help us to be creative. Help us to use the gifts, the resources that you've already provided. We pray for this community. Those hundreds and thousands in this community that need Jesus. And in the communities where we live. If you're listening online or you don't live here, pray for the lost there. So Father, thank you for bringing us back to the basics. And as we uh, prepare for communion, I'm just reminded and very grateful that through Christ we have been reconciled to you. And then, as Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5, we're to be ambassadors of reconciliation in our lives and in our words. We are to be proclaiming Christ so that others can be reconciled to God through faith in him. Randy's going to come up and um, he'll lead us into a time of communion and then we'll be dismissed. We'll do communion in a moment in front of you on the floor somewhere nearby. If you're here with us in the well today, you'll see your little cup. We'll get to that momentarily. If you're live streaming and care to join us, any life-sustaining food and drink will suffice. If you're watching this in the future, you can do that as well. Ambassadors to go out the Great Commission. How do we do it? There's a hundred people here today. A hundred people share this message today with five people. That's 500 people. The parable of the sower, Jesus asks his disciples to sow seed. Followers of Christ are disciples of Christ. The seed bag is never diminished. The seed is always there. It's the word of God to sow that seed. We have our prayer email. Caught you guys off guard. You got that ready? Oh, there it is, right on. No, that was coming. I would like everyone to take the opportunity to, if not for yourself, a prayer need, send a prayer to that email with the individuals that you hope to sow seed with and spread the word of God, spread the gospel message. Let us know some names. Just first names is all that's necessary. The Lord knows who the individuals are. We will collect those together and we'll pray over those folks for salvation. So what does it look like? What is the gospel message? It spreads, you know, it's the good news. Everyone who is a believer, the Apostle Paul was talking to those in Philippi that were believers, they all have a story. They're believers, they have a personal relationship with Jesus. That's your story. Nobody can tell you you're wrong, it's your story. 
You can't argue with it. That's what you share with people. What has the Lord done for you? What has he done in your life? That's the message. We believe. What do we believe? We believe that Jesus is the Son of God. We believe he went to the cross. He carried our sins. He died. He came back to life on the third day. He sits at the right hand of the Father. He was witnessed by over 500 people. This isn't a myth. This is reality. We believe it. What does it mean when we say we believe? It means we're committed. We're in a committed relationship with him. Not just a passing thing that happens here at the well or that we listen to on the radio. We live life with Jesus because he's come to be in us, in his Holy Spirit. It's a relationship. That's the commitment. That's what it means to believe. What's an easy way you can do that? You want to dip your toe in this real soft, I don't know, sharing this message. All of you live streaming, what you're watching on your computer, by the end of the day, will be uploaded to a YouTube channel. The Well Ojai, I believe, is the title of our message. Today's message, last week's message, messages for more than a year consecutively are posted there. You've got a computer, you've got an email list, share the message. Share it with five people. How easy is that? You don't even have to say anything other than thought you would like, to, I wanted you to see this, whatever it is you want to put in your tagline. That's an easy way to do it, folks. Share the word. Sow the seed. We can do that. We're going to take communion shortly, and that is for believers, committed followers of Jesus. If you are a committed follower of Jesus, you can take the cup, you can whatever you're, whatever you're participating with at home. It's a free gift talk about the free gift, we preach about the free gift, but where do you get the free gift? You don't need me, but if you're here today, if you're live streaming with us, I'm going to pray a prayer that's going to allow you to participate in this ordinance of the church. If you don't know Jesus, pray this prayer with me. Father God, I'm exhausted of living life without you. I'm tired of struggling in my own will and not your will. I believe that Jesus is your son. He is God. You sent him here as our example to carry our sin to the cross, to die, to defeat death for all of us that he rose again on the third day and that as I'm asking for you to come into my heart, your Holy Spirit will come to me right this second and save me for a relationship with you in eternity with you. Amen. All right, just a, just a few items on the church family agenda this morning. Uh, yesterday, we had just an incredible, incredible, really, testimony to God stirring the hearts of the men in the church, and we had some visitors. Uh, we had 25 men come out to the men's breakfast. Yeah, just phenomenal time of fellowship and getting to know some new people, and, and uh, Randy shared a testimony and spoke about what it means to be a godly 
a spiritual leader in your home. And, and so uh, thank you to all the men that came out. And um, honestly, we are going to be planning those probably quarterly. Uh, moving. In. Yeah. Okay. Well, Tracy's happy. So yes, yes, we, we are enthused uh, for what uh, God's going to do in the ministry of the men as we move into 2022 and, and really all the ministries here. So, so thank you guys. Thank you uh, to Bill and everyone who helped put it together. Just a, a wonderful, wonderful time of being uh, the men of the church uh, on a Saturday morning. Okay. Uh, Kathy's going to come on up and share something about women's ministry. Hello? Is this on? Hello. <laughs> Good morning. I just have a couple quick announcements for women's ministry. One is that next Saturday, November 6th, is the Women's Book Club discussion. Um, if you're ever wondering what, where, when it is, uh, check on the website, the church's website. But it's next Saturday, 10 a.m. here at the well, and it's on the book In His Image by Jen Wilkin. And we had a great discussion on our last book, um, the women who came, I think, can say that too. But we had a really great discussion last time. Just other one quick thing is put on your calendar. We're having a Christmas event, a women's Christmas event, December 11th. So just keep that in mind. We will announce more details in the next couple of weeks. Thanks. Right back there. <laughs> All right, just. Uh... A couple other items. Uh, just a reminder, it really, you know, this is this announcement, we, we've done it every year for 11 years, but with technology and everything, it's really different now. Uh, next Sunday, remember, you got to move your clocks. We're, we're falling back, but, you know, now your phones do it. How many of you use your phone as the alarm, right? And so it, you don't have to worry about it. How many of you still have many clocks in your house that you go around and you, right, you got to do that? So that's happening next weekend, just a reminder. I always enjoyed that when you, you always know who didn't. They're either an hour early or an hour late to church, on, you know, whether it's fall or spring. So we always get a kick out of that. So anyway, uh, next Sunday. And then uh, the bulletins, again, if you didn't hear, we're printing them out each week now. And we encourage you, uh, check it out online. It's, it's our way to do our best to communicate to you uh, what's going on in the life of the church family and how you can participate as well as various ways to, to keep being, given, uh, being uh, cheerful givers. Okay?